0: In this episode of Christian Ease, I'm going to talk about something you already know about. You know what the Sabbath is. It's not some kind of secret. You probably even know it's the fourth commandment that God gave to Moses. You might even be able to tell me all the benefits that come from a Sabbath. Things like rejuvenation of your mind, refreshing your body, sparking creativity, exposing idols and helping us defeat them, reorienting our hearts towards Jesus, cultivating joy, leading us to worship, enjoying life more, and on and on and on. The benefits of the Sabbath are almost endless, and none of us are gonna debate that because we know the Sabbath is good. We're not gonna come out and say the Sabbath is a bad idea. I mean, we would all like to practice it. But let's get serious. Who's got time to rest? Welcome to Christian Ease. God gave his people the Sabbath as a command, a sign, and a testimony. He commanded his people to rest from their labor on the seventh day of each week, just as he rested on the seventh day of creation. And this rest was a sign of God's covenant with His people. It was an act of worship. You have to remember that this was an agrarian society. There's always more work to be done on the farm. So to take a whole day not working is a pretty risky endeavor. It doesn't take a whole day to lose all of your crops for the year. It doesn't even take an hour for most of your livestock to escape through an unmended fence. If you were keeping the Sabbath, you were trusting God for your provision. And in that, it was a profound statement to the world of who you believed took care of you. Taking a day to do no work flew in the face of all the conventional wisdom at the time. It was countercultural. it was radical, and it was dangerous. It was also obedience, worship, and an active way to practice your faith in God and proclaim His goodness to the world. But we don't live in an agrarian society. And if you're a Christian, you're not under the covenant of law, you're in the covenant of grace. So the Sabbath is no longer a sign of your covenant with God. And verses like Romans 14:5 and 6 and Colossians 2:16 give us freedom to observe a special day or to observe every day as special. God's desire is that we worship him every day, not just on Saturday or Sunday. And so we're in this kind of weird, squishy place with the Sabbath. It's an Old Testament command, but it's a New Testament freedom, which is interesting because that means it's the only one of the Ten Commandments there's a little bit of freedom with how we practice it. You're not free to worship any gods other than the Lord your God. You're not free to make idols. You're not free to kill your neighbor. You're not free to covet your neighbor's house. But the Sabbath is kind of this malleable practice. The problem here, which has gotten us into a whole lot of trouble, is that American Christians often see freedom of practice as freedom of requirement. If it's not a hard and fast rule, it's not something I'm free to do as much as it's something I'm free to skip. And that falls right in line with a lot of lies our culture is preaching to us. It's safe to say that we live in a culture of relentless hustle. That if you're not first, you're last. Where it's not enough just to have a day job, you need to have a side hustle. Where downtime isn't a benefit, it's a weakness. A vice of the lazy, uninspired, unambitious, and undisciplined. It's a worldview that teaches success, whatever that means, is the key to happiness. You're not gonna find it anywhere else. And this worldview has a couple of really high profile evangelists. Guys like Gary Vaynerchuk, AKA Gary V. You've probably seen him if you're anywhere close to Instagram or LinkedIn gary recommends that you flip everything or sell everything you own for more than you bought it this includes your hot wheels your honda your clothes everything everything is monetized but what made gary popular was not his salesmanship or ability to flip just about anything it's his preaching of non-stop work to him the goal of work is not money it's happiness and you get happiness by being successful and you get successful by working harder and longer than anyone else. He tweets things like, eat for 48 months, eat caviar for the rest of your life. And during a keynote speech in New Jersey said, you wanna have business success? Watch what I do for the rest of my life publicly. Copy it verbatim and I promise you, you'll be successful. Follow Paul as he follows Christ, but follow Gary V if you wanna find happiness and success another hustle influencer is grant cardone who on an instagram post said why be passionate if there's no money let's face it if you're working in something that will never have a payday and change the quality of your life your family's life that can make you a hero you're being really selfish in other words you shouldn't spend your time on anything unless there's a paycheck at the end of that effort fiverr one of the premier websites for freelance digital work used to show freelancers exhaustion-glorifying ads like, you eat coffee for lunch, you follow through on your follow through, sleep deprivation is your drug of choice. And then there's Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who probably is the hardest working guy in Hollywood, who famously tweeted, don't work eight hours for a company and then go home and not work on your own goals. You're not tired, you're uninspired. This kind of tough love evangelism is drawing people in droves who buy into the idea that work will deliver me happiness and satisfaction. And if I'm not satisfied, it must be because I'm selfish, lazy, and uninspired. Now, maybe you don't know who any of those people are, except for Dwayne The Rock Johnson, because everyone knows who he is. But just because you haven't heard an influencer's name doesn't mean you haven't been touched by the culture that they're a part of. I'm going to ask a couple questions. Just take a moment, wherever you are, in your car, at a coffee shop, to think through how you would answer them. Do you ever think about how you could or should be monetizing your hobby? Do you feel guilty about taking time away from work? Do you ever have the sense on weekends that you should be more productive have you ever been afraid that you've missed your best life because you haven't worked hard enough for it what do you need to do to provide lasting happiness for yourself and your family do you ever think that God is holding out on you because you're not doing enough. Hustle culture isn't preaching anything new. This is just the American dream taken to its logical extent. Somewhere along the way, we realized that hard work wasn't going to deliver us lasting happiness. But instead of looking for a true source of happiness and satisfaction, we decided that we just weren't working hard enough. And think about what hustle culture these hustle influencers are actually selling. Success is where we finally get the payoff, what we were looking for work to deliver to us. Whether it's wealth or security or happiness, success is the finish line where we get those things, those rewards. It's the point at which we can finally stop our effort and our striving and take a breath and rest. Because we've made it. Success is the God that demands work to deliver Sabbath. It's an idol that makes the same promises that God makes us. And I'm telling you, it's a liar. On the face of it, that's pretty self-evident because none of these hustle influencers who present themselves as successful have stopped working any harder than they were 10, 15 years ago. They still haven't found what they're looking for, so why would you be able to? But more than that, you're not in control of a lot of things around your career. For example, you don't control the economy. A sudden turn in, let's say, the housing market can nullify decades of hard work that you've put in to try to create success. And that's not even thinking of all the exceptions that there are to this rule. I mean, anecdotally, think about a single mom who works two or three jobs just to put food on the table for her kids. A mom like that would work harder than any of us. But that doesn't mean she's looking forward to kicking her feet up and eating caviar for the rest of her life. Now, let me just say that work is a good thing. When God created Adam and Eve, he gave them work to do in the Garden of Eden, a place that was perfect. Work is dignifying, it's beneficial, but when you make it the ultimate thing in your life, it becomes dangerous, both spiritually and physically, which means we should probably talk about stress and anxiety. Stress and anxiety are healthy responses to certain situations in our lives. They're helpful. When your brain senses a threat or some sort of situation that needs to perk up your awareness, it starts to release the hormones adrenaline and cortisol. This makes you feel stress, which helps you focus and pinpoint whatever that threat or difficult situation might be so that you might protect or prepare yourself. For example, if you have a big test or maybe a really big presentation at work on Monday, Stress can help you focus the right amount of attention and prioritize that event in your life. But normal stress goes away. Think of it kind of like volume. Stressors turn the volume up, and when that stressor is gone, the volume turns back down. Anxiety is a lot like stress. They're really two sides of the same coin. Anxiety is just stress turbocharged. It forces us to react and can cause a fight or flight response. Imagine that you're walking through the forest and you suddenly come around a tree and there's a bear staring you right in the face. You want your body to kick into action, to cause you to have that fight or flight response. But like stress, anxiety goes away. After the sources of our stress and anxiety are gone, our bodies naturally clear out the adrenaline and cortisol from our systems, primarily through sleep. This is a healthy system, but it's a limited system. While our bodies do naturally clear out the cortisol and adrenaline from our systems, they can only do that so fast. So let's say you have a really stressful day, it's like a 6 or 7 on a scale of 1 to 10. When you go to sleep, that system might be turned down to a 2 or a 3. But the next day, you're starting with a higher baseline. So if you have another 6 or 7 day, it's not just going to be a 6 or 7, it's going to be on top of the existing stress that you still have. If you're under consistent stress or anxiety, that volume is going to keep going up. At the very least, it's going to condition your body to a certain amount of stress that after a period of time is going to be detrimental to your health. This healthy and helpful response can become dysfunctional and intrusive. Significant prolonged stress and anxiety cause us to burn out. I personally know two pastors who worked so much and at such a pace that the only way that they could keep up with their own schedules was if their bodies continually produced enough cortisol and adrenaline to keep them moving. And at some point, their bodies stopped recognizing what was a correct response to a normal situation. While watching TV with their spouse, they would suddenly experience stress. In the middle of the night, their body would send them jolts of adrenaline. Overworking had taught their systems to stay activated, and as a result, a healthy system became dysfunctional and intrusive. Before their burnouts, these men were praised for their high capacity, their incredible energy, their passion for never stopping their work for the Lord until they had to. Anxiety and stress are a healthy response but when your body gets too much of them, it cannot keep up. If you don't shut down, your body will. Statistically speaking, the vast majority of people listening to this podcast have never been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder and probably will never experience this kind of burnout. But just because you've never been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder does not mean that stress and anxiety aren't dysfunctional or intrusive in your life. According to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, 40% of employees experience persistent stress or excessive anxiety in their daily lives. 72% of employees have daily stress and anxiety that they say interferes with their lives, at least moderately. Thirty percent of employees with daily stress have taken prescription medication to manage that stress, while another fifty percent use either alcohol or caffeine to deal with persistent stress and sleeplessness. Three-quarters of the American workforce say that their workplace stress carries over into their personal lives, and seven out of ten of those adults report that workplace stress affects their personal relationships, primarily with their spouses. Over a quarter of American employees are at risk of burning out, reporting symptoms of anxiety disorders. But only 9% of Americans are diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. That disparity means that people aren't talking about their anxiety. And when asked why, the reasons were fear of their boss interpreting their anxiety as a lack of interest or unwillingness to do their work. Fear of being labeled weak fear that it would affect their promotion opportunities, and fear of being laughed at or not taken seriously. Our relentless hustle is only reaping the rewards of stress and anxiety to the point of mental breakdown. But even so, the American workforce continues to put in long work weeks because we're afraid about what hustle culture says about people who don't. I am not a mental health professional. So, to really understand anxiety and what we can do about it, I consulted with a friend of mine who is a licensed clinical psychologist. One of my big questions for him was how do I know I need help with my stress and anxiety? He said when stress and anxiety impact your ability to function in any of the following four ways first, socially, that it changes the way you interact with your coworkers and people that you meet throughout your day. Two, relationally, that it impacts your core relationships, damaging or distancing you from the people that you rely on the most. Three, when stress and anxiety impact your ability to function at work, causing you to regularly feel overloaded or even causing you to disassociate, where you simply go through the motions at work without really thinking about it. And four, when stress and anxiety impact the quality of your life, when it's uncomfortable, unwelcome, and disproportionate to the circumstances. If you are currently suffering from the effects of too much stress and anxiety in your life, it's nothing to be ashamed of. This isn't happening because you're weak or because you don't have enough faith in God. We simply all have limits. My friend said this is exactly why we have counseling and therapy, to help you understand what events or habits led to this place of unhealth and helping you figure out a path forward. You're not alone in dealing with this struggle. You don't have to wrestle with it alone. And there is hope. And the really good news here is that God is not silent on this. There are two primary places in the Old Testament where God commanded his people to keep the Sabbath. The first is in the Ten Commandments, where the command to rest is tied with the created order. We rest from our work on the seventh day because God rested from his labor on the seventh day. And unlike God, who is infinite, we're finite. We have physical limitations and we're created to need rest. The second time God commands his people to take the Sabbath is in Deuteronomy chapter 5, where he says, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord God has commanded you. Remember that you are slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. This time the command for the Sabbath is not rooted in the created order. It's rooted in freedom. If you cannot rest from work, You are not in control of your work. It controls you and you are a slave to it. If you worship at the altar of work, you are not living in the freedom that Christ purchased for you. And as an inverse to that, if you are living in the freedom that Christ purchased for you, you should rest. Because you're not a slave, you're a son of God, you're a daughter of the King. And your hope is not rooted in some future earned success, but in the secure grace of the Son of God who died and was raised for you. So Christian, the Sabbath is not this totally skippable thing from the Old Testament that doesn't really matter anymore. It is an active way to proclaim your limitations, to remind yourself that God is your provider. To testify to the world your position as a fully forgiven child of God. We're not an agrarian society, but the crazy thing is, the purpose of a Sabbath today is the exact same that it was 2,000, 3,000 years ago. It is still countercultural, seen as radical, and even dangerous. People will tell you if you take time off, you're going to get passed by. If you don't have a side hustle or aren't monetizing every second of your life, you're not going to be successful. But our hope isn't in some future success, and we don't have to put off joy till tomorrow. Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for you. It's a gift, and he commands you to enjoy it and to keep it holy, to set it apart. And God is so good that he's even given you freedom in the way that you enjoy it. If you follow Jesus, you have the opportunity to make Ecclesiastes 815 true. When the preacher said, so I commend the enjoyment of life because there's nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil. All the days of the life God has given them under the sun. When you go to work, enjoy work, work hard. But forget what Dwayne The Rock Johnson says, if you work 8 hours a day and come home and don't enjoy life, you're missing out on a gift from God. Set apart a time every week, a time that you can keep holy and sacred, where you do the things that light up your soul in worship of God. Use the time to rest fully and then enjoy it. What makes you laugh what makes you celebrate the life that god has given to you do those things develop a hobby and be an amateur to the glory of god cook a big meal with people you love and then take time just to savor it spend that time celebrating the relationships that god has given you and encouraging one another doing the things that scripture tells us to do the sabbath is yours Enjoy it. This has been a production of FathomMag.com. To learn more and to find quality, thoughtful Christian writing, go to FathomMag.com.